Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, Brexit and the queues at British ports, which have been described as holiday hell. Travellers and truckers leaving the UK have been trapped for hours on end, with British politicians blaming the French authorities, claiming that border posts on the other side of the Channel haven't been properly staffed. Tory party leadership contender Liz Truss has demanded action from France, but the French say the problem is caused by additional checks necessitated by Britain's decision to leave the EU. We'll hear from Simon Calder, travel editor of The Independent, one of the UK's most respected travel experts. While I was kind of in... 2016 before the referendum saying, hang on, hang on, everybody, you might want to have a look at what the effects for travellers would be. Ministers or pro-Brexiteers were saying, no, nothing nothing changes. And I remember Dominic Raab, now Deputy Prime Minister, saying we will maintain a free-flowing border at Dover. Jacob Rees-Mogg, another cabinet minister, said there'll be no need for checks at Dover The roads will keep running around Dover, even if there are delays at Calais. I'm not sure that those uh, claims by those ministers have uh, successfully stood the test of time. Simon Calder, coming shortly. First, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscribers to the Byline Times, our brilliant monthly newspaper. No one tells us what to say. We can report without fear or favour and hold the rich and powerful to account because our funding comes from ordinary subscribers to the Byline Times. There's no oligarch or non-dom telling us what to say. So please subscribe if you can. You'll get subscription details at bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. And if you have already subscribed, thank you. Now, as I record this, there are huge ongoing delays at the channel ports of Dover and Folkestone, affecting motorists heading to France. This follows weeks of chaos at British airports, which saw hundreds of flights cancelled and major airlines like BA impose massive reductions on their summer schedule. Covid-19 was undoubtedly an issue, with some baggage handlers choosing not to return to their old jobs after the pandemic. But Brexit was also a factor, reducing the pool of willing workers from the EU. Before that, we had a shortage of truckers. Again, the pandemic and Brexit together combined to create the perfect storm, making it more difficult and therefore more expensive for haulage firms to get goods to and from Britain. That's not all. The UK government recently suspended plans for the introduction of post-Brexit checks on EU food imports until at least 2024. This is the fourth delay in introducing the checks, leading port operators from Hull to Portsmouth to complain that they have wasted millions on white elephant border control posts that have never been needed. British food exports to the European Union plummeted 19% in the first 15 months after Brexit, partly thanks to extra red tape, whilst EU firms still enjoy unfettered access to UK markets. Now we have these headaches for holidaymakers. Here's Simon Calder. Well, I've been cycling through the sunny uplands of uh, southeast Kent between Folkestone and Dover. i took my bicycle partly because as you will probably know beautiful part of the country but also because with queues building up very rapidly among motorists trying to get away it struck me that that would be the way to um, get past all the uh, 
traffic congestion and so it proved now we have seen particularly on friday and some of saturday really long queues at dover the main port of course for people heading across to continental europe and similarly problems on particularly saturday night and into sunday on euro tunnel that uh, is the car carrying operation that shuttles from Folkestone to and from Calais. We've had reports of people waiting 14, 15, 16 hours. It sounds absolutely miserable. And it's certainly absolutely not the case that this is entirely because of Brexit. There have been other factors at work. But the changes that we voted for and then were negotiated on our behalf have had some quite interesting effects and I've been spending the time sort of trying to work out what those are and what it means for the future. It was always, always, uh, Adrian, going to be a very busy weekend and the first test of actual Brexit with a surge of holidaymakers. This weekend is always the busiest in uh, the summer calendar because... um, It's just after the English and Welsh schools have broken up. We didn't notice it last year because, of course, um, the government suddenly, with three days to go, decided that they were going to put France in a category all on its own called Amber Plus. And as a result of that, unfortunately, people didn't go to France. They cancelled all their holidays rather than face a sudden expectation that they would self-isolate for 10 days when they came back. So it's really only now that we um, got the uh, first contact and it hasn't gone well. You have vast experience of the world of travel. You have no doubt that Brexit is the single most significant factor in this. Oh, look, I'm not actually going to go that far because I haven't yet seen a full breakout breakdown of what were the holdups and where. I do know that, of course, there was a, a very, very angry statement put out by the port of Dover on Friday morning saying we've got off to a really bad start and it's the fault of the French authority, the police of Frontier for not sending enough people over a charge that the French um, reject. But we have juxtaposed controls, which means that uh, French passport control looks after stuff on English soil. Uh, That was the case before Brexit as well. But Crucially, what has changed is that we now have much more rigorous checks because one of the things we asked for was for the EU's external border to be set up in Kent at both Folkestone and at Dover. And by asking to be third country nationals, completely outside the single market, the customs union, the Schengen area, no kind of passport relationship, We also said that we wanted our passports to be stamped and under the terms of the uh, European rules, you should also not just have your passport stamped, you should answer questions about whether you've got a return ticket, where you're staying, how much money you've got and whether you've stayed at least 90 days in the past 180 days. Now, all those questions, I think, have gone unanswered, but I was at the port on Saturday and I was just monitoring how long it took for cars to get through. And typically, it seemed to be about 45 seconds if there was a couple in the car. If there were four people, typical family group, then it was about a minute and a half. 
given that the average car I understand from the port is 3.5 people, then it's well over a minute. And that compares with a few seconds in the olden days when very often people would just sort of wave through. That was especially the case at a really busy time. You could clear the queues like that, but that's not possible nowadays because France is obliged to impose the rules of the European Union. Ironically, those rules that we helped uh, draw up. Yeah. So in a sense, people who are complaining about this, well, they've got what they voted for or certainly what we subsequently negotiated after we voted to leave the EU. Well, yeah, I mean, it's worth saying that while I was kind of in 2016 before the referendum saying, hang on, hang on, everybody, you might want to have a look at what the effects for travellers would be, ministers or pro-Brexiteers were saying, no, nothing nothing changes. And I remember Dominic Raab, now Deputy Prime Minister, saying we will maintain a free-flowing border at Dover. Jacob Rees-Mogg, another cabinet minister, said there'll be no need for checks at Dover. The roads will keep running around Dover, even if there are delays at Calais. I'm not sure that those uh, claims by those ministers have uh, successfully stood the test of time. No, and Pierre-Henri Dumont, who's the MP for Calais, he's been tweeting to say that the UK government had rejected a few months ago a proposal to double the number of passport booths for French police in Dover, saying that Britain was offered a, a solution to this in advance. It would obviously have required the UK to fund that or part fund that, That was rejected, and that, in his view, would have made progress from the UK to France much quicker. We've been hearing all kinds of accusations on all sides, and it's really pretty undignified name-calling, finger-pointing experience, particularly since um, it's the people who've been stuck in overheated cars, sometimes in very distressed situation for many, many hours. But yes, the uh, the French are doing plenty of blaming of the UK. Um, while the UK is, I'm afraid, doing something which I think I fear people in the EU will find amusing, which is effectively shifting the blame for the effects of Brexit to the French. And certainly the contenders for the next prime minister, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, have both said, this is outrageous. They've got to staff things better. Well, the Port of Dover did put in an extra 50% of booths. They were not properly staffed on Friday morning. When I went along and checked, it did seem as though everything was moving. But I think to say everything that goes wrong is the fault of Brexit is wrong. But I also think it's very important not, as, um, for instance, the uh, leader of the House, Mark Spencer, told the BBC that it's very easy to blame Brexit, but Brexit isn't for to, to blame. I mean, he says uh, there's a very obvious solution. You boost the number of people that are in that role of um, being border officials, he meant. The trouble is, I'm not sure where you would put them. It's such a constrained site because nobody, when they were doing the planning of the Kent Road system, when they were doing the planning of the Folkestone Eurotunnel terminal or the expanded port of Dover, nobody ever thought that we would have an external border of the EU there. And so it's completely unsuitable. And yes, you can you can throw money at it. But ultimately, this is 
a situation which unfortunately it feels as though it's going to be a part of the summer um, I hope that the queues get less and it's important to remember that everything that Eurotunnel and the ferry companies and the Port of Dover do is all about process a that you can treat Eurotunnel and the port as a pair of sort of giant conveyor belts to get people and cars and buses and trucks from the UK to continental Europe. And they're generally very good at it. And it uh, normally works very well. It's not at the moment. And it remains to be seen what can be done to uh, improve things. I mean, a lot of the trouble is actually to do with traffic on the M20, the partial closure for Operation Brock. And although that's not a new thing, it has taken on a new significance after Brexit. And, you know, I've cycled past hundreds of trucks who were just sort of stuck waiting to um, be able to get through and uh, return to continental Europe. So we can't say, Simon, that this is all down to Brexit. But by the same token, it would be dishonest to pretend that this had nothing to do with Brexit. That would be untrue. I'm sure. Look, I mean, I don't just take my word for it. I talked to the um, uh, chief executive of the port of Dover, and you know, effectively, he was he was saying that yes, we knew that it was going to be really tough because of Brexit, but he says it is the increased transaction time. He puts it at about three times longer, and if you've got ten thousand cars going through, and it's taking a minute and a half instead of half a minute, then, well, it's very easy to see queues building up, even if you have got everybody there in force. Um, And uh, interesting that Lucy Morton of the Immigration Service Union said, uh, yeah, France has taken back control of its border. Checks are much more rigorous than they used to be. And this is one of the outcomes of Brexit that was reasonably predictable. Simon Calder. I'm Adrian Goldberg and this has been the Byline Times podcast funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times. Get details of how to subscribe at bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. And don't forget to check out the Bylines app on your smartphone, opening up the world of our regional bylines as well. Thanks for listening. See you soon.